Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Welcome, compounding world, and welcome to the latest episode of the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. My name is Sebastian Dennison, and today I am joined by the one and only, the amazing Sarah Hover. She's a fellow clinical compounding pharmacist in the clinical services team here at PCCA. And today we're going to kind of shift gears. We're going to talk about something that uh, is near and dear to Sarah's heart, as well as her amazing uh, repertoire of intellect and training. Um, She's going to be talking about thyroid, and we're going to have a pretty robust discussion. Um, I, I just want to mention Mike isn't joining us today and not because he doesn't want to be here. He's, he's just not available today. So you're going to have to deal with me taking the host, the co-host and probably the color commentary, but we've got Sarah to save me from going too far off the deep end. So welcome Sarah. Uh, third time's a charm. Thank you so much, Sebastian. Excited to be here. Um, we, there, there's so many things to talk about with thyroid. And I mentioned this, like, just as we were getting started that, um, before we were recording that I think that thyroid is underrepresented within the world of, of healthcare, because a lot of people just have learned here, you give levothyroxine and, and away you go and let the people track their TSH. I think that there's a lot more behind it. And, and, and I think that I would, I would certainly do a disservice if I was to talk because you are the experts. So, I, I kind of want to know your thoughts. What do you, where do you see that how important thyroid is in the compounding world? Thyroid is huge. Um, I, one time I heard a physician speak who said that um, thyroid and adrenal were the king and queen of all of our hormones and wasn't going to specify which one was king and which one was queen. But um, it, it just regulates so many of the other systems and every, all the hormones interact and work together um, that it's... It, I agree. I think, I think it is um, underrepresented. I think it's overlooked. I think, um, you know, if the doctor can, normal doctors can just check the box and say, oh, everything is, you know, in the quote unquote range, um, not necessarily looking to see what's optimal, what the optimal range is. Um, I talked to someone yesterday and I said, oh yeah, the, the patient's thyroid numbers are good. I'm like, well, what are they? Oh, I don't know. The doctor just said they're good well, let's look at some labs. Let's look at some labs and really make sure that we're optimizing and fine tuning because it is such a critical um, organ in our body. And so with thyroid, like, and this is kind of my take on it is um, certainly that definite importance of, of, of the hierarchy of the hormones, but it's also a really good sort of very early indicator if there's other um, metabolic problems that kind of on the horizon. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's a concert, all the hormones, all the glands working together. And when um, one is is struggling, that usually means others are as well. So yeah, it is a great indicator. Um, I think I mentioned on my, the last time I was here on PCOS that um, hypothyroidism and PCOS kind of go hand in hand and hypothyroidism could be an indicator of PCOS. So I'm, I'm going to kind of jump in and, and we've all know what the signs are of hypothyroidism, but what are some of the other disease states that you see hypothyroidism attached to? Because I don't want to say like, oh, this is a really important thing to be aware of and then not give any more context. So, Right. Um, I mean, it's women's health. I mean, with um, female hormones, getting those balanced, a lot of times you'll see that the thyroid um you know, playing a role there. Um, 
is also important for fertility. Um, a lot of, and this kind of tied into the PCOS piece as well, but a lot of women have hypothyroidism and they also have fertility issues. And it's also super important to make sure, make sure you maintain proper thyroid numbers during a pregnancy. And if you look at those ranges, it, it definitely is different for someone that's pregnant versus non-pregnant. And there's been a, a link that um, IQ is, is connected to the mom's thyroid levels. So you wanna make sure mom has adequate, normal, good levels to help with the baby's brain function. So huge importance. So that's in, that's in the women's world. What about uh, the, the general population just beyond women's health? Like we, we talked about this being high in the hierarchy of hormones, um, but that's also applies to men and non-pregnant females. So what are some of the other ones that you, you, you're aware of or that you care to share that are important? Yeah, I mean, meta metabolic issues. I mean, people think of, you know, oh, that's the first thing that when someone can't lose weight, the first thing I think of is, oh, check my thyroid level because it's it's a huge um, factor in just how we, we burn calories, how we use our fuel. And, um, you know, if someone's cold, um, then that's usually related to their thyroid. So it's just an overall, um, you know, health concern to, to make sure everybody knows where their where their levels are. And of course, if you can't lose weight and you're carrying extra weight, then all of a sudden you become insulin resistant. And if you become insulin resistant, all of a sudden you start down that entire slippery slope into metabolic syndrome and all the concomitant issues. So right. it, it is important. It is so desperately important. Right. Um, now, when you talked about ranges, it's, it's again, we talk about within range versus optimal. And what is the subtlety there when you when you're talking about that? What what really changes when you see that within versus optimization? So just to just to look at TSH, which is kind of like the the main um, number that most doctors look at, the the range is actually pretty large. And even in a conservative range, it can be 0.4 to four. Some will say 0.4 to 5.4. Um, and even though those numbers aren't as number wise aren't very, you know, very different. Um, it's exponential, the difference between say one and three. Um, I, I usually try to, to have patients less than two, um, but stay in range. So one to two is usually a, a good, a good point. Um, but making sure that, um, you know, you're, um, just getting that at optimal. So you could be in range, you could be at four, and the doctor says, oh, check the box. You're within the, the range. That's normal. But you have a hard time moving. You have a hard time getting up in the morning. And um, it's not optimal. You would feel so much better if the number was less than two. Um, so, and the same thing with the T4 and the T3. And we can go into reverse T3 and free T4. You know, there's, there's a whole panel of uh, numbers to look at to really optimize function. And, and you kind of touched upon it. It's, it. TSH isn't the only parameter that we should be monitoring. You're saying we should be looking at the others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can suppress, TSH is, is a, um, has a negative feedback. And so it's basically, it's a pituitary hormone and it's the pituitary telling the thyroid gland, hey, make more thyroid. And if the thyroid's not listening and it gets louder and louder and louder until, so the number gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it's screaming at the thyroid. So there are other factors that could suppress that TSH, but you still not have good free T3, not have good T3, T4 numbers. So it's important to look at, at everything. And so 
when you're making that recommendation for a panel, which are the ones that you you like? And I'm, and I'm asking. Yeah. This is a really heavy clinical podcast. There's going to be a few people who are like, oh man, too much. So yes, yeah. bust out your pens and here you go. These are the pearls. Yeah. So I definitely like, you know, obviously we have to have a TSH. Um, I like to look at free and total T4 and T3. Um, I like to look at reverse T3, which is kind of the, um, that's the balance of, of, of T3. It's, I like to say it's the break where T3 is the gas. And so they're meant to balance each other. And so reverse T3, um, I like to look for antibodies to see if there's something that the, you know, autoimmune wise going on, the body is attacking the thyroid. So like a TPO antibody, um, there's, there's several more, but that's kind of the, the basics. Um, so I like to look at vitamin D and there's several other normal things I like to look at too, but those, that's kind of the big thyroid, thyroid panel I like to look at. Yeah. I know how important and how well-versed you are in the autoimmune world. You, you mentioned having that autoimmune disorder of, uh, having the antibodies, um, but, but I also understand like you can also see a cross over and you usually see Hashimoto's or um, antib antibodies present, but you also see other autoimmune disorders present when you see this. So it's kind of a canary in a coal mine, so to speak. Right, right. And it, it makes a difference. I mean, if, if someone has antibodies, um, it makes a difference on your formulation because they more than likely have some gut issues. Um, if they have autoimmune disorder, they probably have gut issues. So it would help you formulate your, your preparation, knowing, um, kind of what's, you know, if they, if they had antibodies that, you know, I usually suggest for them to modify their diet. So, you know, eliminate gluten from their diet. Um, so, you know, all those things kind of go together. So I guess that kind of leads into the next question and I'm kind of going through these a bit rapid fire. So changing gears. Um, when you're looking at supplementation based upon when you do get back the results and you've make it, made a decision to treat, do you prefer doing a single entity product or a dual entity product? And how do you actually break out the ratios of the T4 to T3? Because I know you're extremely well-versed in this. Yeah. And it's, it's complicated um, to, to say the least. Um, I mean, I do like a, a porcine thyroid um, because with that whole gland, you're not only, you know, getting T4, T3, you get T2, T1, and other things that are in that gland that we haven't even isolated. Um, unless someone has antibodies um, or, you know, for religious reasons or dietary reasons, they don't want any sort of pork products, then um, I, that is kind of my first go-to um, if, if it all works out. If that doesn't work out, or maybe if they've gone down that road and we just can't get the numbers right, then we can go to a T4, T3 combination. Um, but, you know, we also have to make sure they're getting in all the nutrients that they need, their zinc and selenium and everything that is going to support the thyroid as well. And, but immediately you are thinking the uh, porcine combination product. You're not thinking a single entity levothyroxine only. No, I mean, obviously there are, there's a, a large population of patients that do fine with just a, a T4, a, a, a levothyroxine. Um, I've, you know, not as much would be sold in the world if, if, if a number of people didn't do well with that. Um, you know, my view is skewed because I always dealt with the patients that didn't do well with just a single entity. Um, so if someone was coming to me and I had just been on T4 and for some reason say they didn't want to, or we couldn't go T with a thyroid, porcine thyroid, um, then I would back out, back off their T4 a little bit and give them a little extra T3. 
um, depending on what their labs are. Again, if, if they're converting T4 to T3 beautifully, then they may not need that. But there's a lot of patients that just are very poor converters. And so that's why I give them that little extra T3 can help. But it's, you know, it's very individualized and you have to look at many factors. And so you touched upon this one, the, the conversion aspect, uh, you said zinc, selenium, um, I think copper's in there, I think um, a little bit of iron. There's also iodine, which is still important, plus other micronutrients. And then of course, the other patriarchal hormone uh, being the cortisol and how that can have an impact on, on conversion. Right. Yeah. And, and there's, there's several um, herbs too that I recommend that um, kind of adaptogens that um, usually we're talking about adaptogens with adrenals, but you know, those two glands work so, um, so closely together that the, like an ashwagandha is super helpful for the thyroid as well. So Sarah, you mentioned kind of as we're going, because there is so much information and, and obviously we can't get through all of this information in such a short period of time. But one of the things that you mentioned about, and I know you wrote about, is the absorption issue in the gut. You talked about having this sort of issues with the gut and why is that such an important piece to the discussion for all of your thyroid patients, especially the ones that are struggling on the commercial products? Correct. It, um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, I, I get members that call in and they say, okay, well, the doctor wants to increase the dose. And three months ago, we increased the dose and they just keep going up and up and up on the dose. And um, it just makes you stop and think, okay, what, what else is going on? And, um, and so that's, that's where this article came about was just looking at the different things that affect absorption. Um, you know, the first thing I would think of is excipients. You know, we, you know, if, if a patient has an issue with lactose or there was some studies showing that lactose um, as an excipient and a, a T4 preparation wasn't as absorbed as well as one without. Um, so just looking at excipients, um, obviously in the, the, the gut, I mean, if, I mean, the gut is a center of our health, it's the center of our immunity. And if we're not able to absorb things like we're supposed to, um, it, you know, it makes a difference as to what levels, you know, get, get across. Um, earlier I talked about celiacs and there's a very, very strong um, link between celiacs and thyroid disorder. And, um, and so that's why the first thing I recommend when someone has, you know, antibodies is get off of gluten. Let's, let's try to lessen the load on the, on the gut. So for those of you who are more interested in autoimmune disorders, there's actually on PCCA Play, we have some content. And then coming up in March of 2021, we're going to be doing an autoimmune conference. And Sarah's going to be one of our featured speakers. So we can, we can dive in that direction, uh, probably on a lot later podcast. But it is so important to understand that actually that center of immunity is also the center for this sort of ill health. And so again, it goes back to what are your patients telling you by not actually being able to, to represent it in a verbal fashion? It's like, you, you, you're the druggist, you see what's being prescribed, you're seeing these changes. And so if something doesn't seem quite right to you when you're doing this dispensing, you should be like asking those questions. And Sarah being such a good um, reference source, she's a perfect person. If you have questions about this or you're seeing this, pick up the phone and give her a shout. So. Um, now you said uh, absorption issues. So avoiding gluten, um, fixing the gut, pro probiotics, prebiotics. What other suggestions do you have for these patients who are effectively hard absorbers or, or sort of other options? Sure. Um, so, I mean, we, 
everyone, you know, thinks of, you know, interactions. So, you know, making sure they're not taking their thyroid with, with food or their supplements. We, we, that's kind of a known, everyone knows to do that. But one thing that I uncovered in this, in this article in my research was um, the use of PPIs in, um, in thyroid absorption. And it was, it's, Probably a little controversial, but um, the in the short term, um, probably not a big deal. Like it really didn't affect thyroid levels that much for people that were taking it short term. But how many people know people that only take PPIs for a short term? So um, the long term was where they were seeing. So that that lack of acid is affecting how you're absorbing, how you're you know, breaking down the, the thyroid, the T4 specifically. Um, and there is an area of the gut that that's really where it's absorbed and it really needs the acid to do that. Acid's not a bad thing. Um, it's what our gut is supposed to do to break down things. So, but yeah, long-term use of a PPI um, is, you know, thyroid is just another thing to consider or be concerned with. That is a, such an important question to ask. Are you taking PPI? How long have you been taking it? And what, to me, it's always a question of why did you start taking it? Was there a specific set of symptoms? Because people take them and, and it masks a lot. So um, there, there are uses for, I mean, there are, there are some needs where, you know, preventing, you know, Barrett's esophagitis. Okay. I get that. But majority of, of patients, it really should only be a short term and then you fix the problem. Um, I guess I'm just always been very curious and I always want to know what's the why, why are we doing this? What's going on? Why is this going on? Um, so I ask lots of questions. I think it would, it would be really fun to work with you in, in a, at the counter, because I'm sure I would learn so much about the patients that I'm treating because you'd be over there asking the same questions that I'd be asking other questions and all of a sudden I'd be like, did you know this? Did you know this? And these patients would be like overwhelmed with these questions. So, but <laughs> it would be fun though. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the nice thing about what we do in compounding and these smaller practices that we do have that opportunity to ask the whys. And, and when you ask the whys and you get an answer that you don't know, it's always important to go and research and find out more information. So that, that, that's the intent of our podcast is just bring you enough information that you are aware that it exists so that you can go and research more. And clinically, um, the thyroid is so, so complex. There's all sorts of options. And if you want to explore it and discuss it more, please, um, you know, just put in a quick call into one of our amazing experts, Sarah Hover, on, <laughs> on, on thyroid. Um, and, and then you can discuss it at, at length and find the customized appropriate decision for that patient. Because that's one of the things that I've found mostly about thyroid, more than any other drug almost. Um, it, there, there's literally pain management and thyroid. Hormones, you, you've got a little bit more broad strokes and you can pile them in a little bit easier to start. But with thyroid, you have to be pretty much on point at the start or so you can cause some pretty significant problems for them. So Absolutely. ultimate, ultimate, ultimate uh, clinical uh, involvement. Um, do you see this being an important part to the, to the hormone and HRT and uh, andropause practice? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think a lot of practitioners, pharmacists, doctors included, um, get nervous when they start talking about thyroid, like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't do that, I, you know, because it is so complicated, but it also is very intertwined into, into, into men and women's health. You know, my, my forte has been women's health. So that's where I always kind of lean that direction. Cause I work so, with so many females, um, but it's hugely intertwined. And, um, you know, if, if the doctor is 
a little nervous or don't doesn't really know how to dose and that's as pharmacists where we can really step in and, and help them making sure that we're addressing the adrenals talking to them about their stress their diet you know looking at the whole picture and making sure we're not excluding thyroid from those hormone consults it's it's huge and you know when i first started i like everyone else just started with just you know estrogens and progesterone testosterone and then had a doctor that was starting to do more thyroid and then um, didn't really do anything with adrenals. And um, I had a, had a patient that this was probably my, my moment of, I need to learn, know more about the adrenals. Her TSH was like 60 and um, oh. crazy. She was you know, like five, eight, maybe 110 pounds. I mean, she was not what you would think of with a thyroid patient, sweetest lady. Um, but she, we couldn't get any thyroid in her, like the tiniest amount of thyroid, um, you know, a, a 10 microgram of T4 and a one microgram of T3. I mean, just tiny, tiny doses she couldn't tolerate. And it was, it was that question of why, why she needs this. Look at this number. She needs this to realize that it was her adrenals saying, whoa, you know, hold the door you can't boost up the thyroid when I'm struggling over here. That's how intertwined those two are. So it's, it's so important. I mean, I couldn't just deal with her female, you know, hormones without looking at her thyroid. And then I realized how important the adrenals were. So all ties together. So for those of you who are looking to get involved in this, um, there, there is, it's, it's a huge part of your practice and it's another service that you can add to the compounding world. And it is so, so individualized and customized that it has to be compounded at this point. If you've got a patient who is not struggling and they're on levothyroxine, they're not, they're not the ones. It's going to be the ones that you start seeing those dose escalations or still struggling. And to me, the, the first question I always ask people is, how are you feeling? And if you get that response of, eh, I'm okay, they're usually the ones that are needing a lot more help. They're just okay enough that they're not complaining. And that's that, as opposed to, I, I feel good. As soon as you get an, I feel good then you know you're on the right track. So, um, how, okay. how are you and then how are you sleeping? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. are, you, are you waking up rested? <laughs> Those are good questions. Well, it's, it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and, and the server comes up and goes, do you, is everything okay? Well, I haven't thrown up. Yeah, I guess so. Like there's no complaint, but if you're asked the question, how is everything? And you're given the, the platform to actually answer the question. And I think that that's the part about being in, in, a, in an independent practice. You can ask that question and listen to the answer and then dive in and help them. So, yep. all right, I'm going to switch gears on you. Uh, you said you prefer the thyroid, um, the porcine thyroid. There's a lot of calculations involved there, um, but a lot of people are still trying to make their own T3, T4 triturates. Any sort of recommendations there or any sort of specific pieces that you want to mention? Because this is a thyroid podcast. And we want to make sure people are well aware of some of the parameters that they, if they're going to work with these, they, they need to have the heads up before they get started. Yeah. So the T4, T3, you know, obviously we're talking about microgram doses. So a, a trituration is required to accurately measure. Um, so, you know, right now, the only option for the T4 dilution is to, is to make it yourself. Um, you have to send it off for testing. You really need to test the top the middle, the bottom of your preparation. And I asked our lab when this first came up, I'm like, how are they supposed to do that? And they're like, oh, well, we have this little device. And I'm like, no, 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 how does a real person do it? And so um, you take a sample from the top and then you scoop out a whole bunch and put it in another container. Then you take another sample and then you scoop out and you grab a sample from the bottom. 
um, you really want to check for content uniformity because um, when, again, we're talking about narrow therapeutic index drugs. We're talking about how important um, it, it is for um, for overall body, you know, fun health functions. That um, this has to be right. Um, so yes, it costly to run three tests, but more costly for a patient to have an adverse um, reaction. So um, I do not use it until you've gotten your tests back. Um, that's a question I get a lot. Well, I mixed this up today. You know, how much do I use to go ahead and make this preparation? And without having those results, I just, I just don't think it's a, it's a great idea. T3, I think, is even more sensitive than T4. Um, it's really sens sensitive to heat, you know, overmixing. I've seen members do that and come back with bad results. You know, send it in a hot truck down to Houston um, for testing, and it comes back with bad results. So um, to me, it's worth the, the few little pickups. Um, and I'm going to kind of seize upon one comment here is accuracy and precision. This is the hallmarks of pharmacy, but even more so in the compounding world, if, if you're not able to be accurate and precise, um, T3, T4 is not the route for you. If you're going to, if, if you, if you're really like, hey, it's expensive and I'm not going to test, um, I can't caution you enough at this point is to avoid this part of the practice. But for those of you who are going to be invested and you're going to find a way to, to do this, make sure it's tested and be accurate and precise. And it's also a really good barometer of how you're doing everything else in your practice. So it's a very valuable tool uh, to do the testing and to ensure that that content uniformity, accuracy, precision, consistency, and then the application of that to, to the rest of your practice. It really does help. So um, there's a lot there. So Sarah, you were about to say something else I can tell. Yes, and then use that as marketing. Take those results and show those to your, your providers that you know, I, I take the extra steps. Here is, because if you can mix a thyroid properly, then they know that, like Seb was saying, you can do everything else. So <laughs> use that, you know, so that expense of sending off for testing turns into part of your marketing and your quality, quality control and market that to your doctors. So, so what we're trying to say to you is do thyroid, become an expert, but also use that as, as part and parcel of the rest of your practice. And it, it will make your practice better. I promise you. It's, it's just so, so, so valuable. And honestly, and this is going to be another part, which, which I've learned, um, the reward with the patient, the, the patient come back who they, they just like, you, you literally take them from okay to great. And there's such a dramatic change. Uh, the one with the TSH of 60, I'm sure she is like a lifelong, uh, Sarah Hover fan. So oh, she was, I was one of her fans too. I learned so much from her, but yes, she was, she was a critical point of my learning. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I emphasize that too to members, you know, listen to your patients and learn from them. There's, there's nothing you can learn in a book um, as, as valuable as what you learn from your patients every day. If you just stop and listen. Oh man, I feel bad because Mike's not here and he'd be like, Oh man, I want to become a pharmacist again. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. These are the conversations that make me want to go back um, and actually be in practice because you miss your patients, you miss what you get to learn, and, and you you miss that uh, that reward of fixing those patients. So, yep. Um, Sarah, this is round three for you. So it's at five that you get the jacket with the crest. So I'm sorry, we're going to have to invite you back. Um, hopefully, we can have you back just after or just before our autoimmune conference in in March. So, um, any other wrap up comments before we we let you go back to work? 
Nope. I just, um, I, I, I love learning. I love, you know, love learning about um, new and exciting areas that we, we think we already know a lot about. And, um, and so I encourage that um, to everyone as well, be a, a lifelong learner and dive into to topics that um, maybe you thought you already knew a lot about, but there's more and more coming out every day. So keep learning. That's awesome. Thank you. An inspirational quote at the end of at the end of the podcast. Man, you're gonna get your quest tomorrow. Forget it. I'm setting it up. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for tuning in to all of our listeners. This is always great to have an opportunity just to uh, bring up speed on some interesting topics. Um, if you've not already subscribed, then please do on any podcast platform and follow PCCA on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And my name is Sebastian Dennison, and we will talk to you soon.